Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing today? Trepidatious, but we're doing great, Scott. Well, that's watching right. Watching the weather, my friend, watching the weather. Well, I appreciate that. Of course, you're down there in Hilton Head. And to everyone in the path of the approaching hurricane, our prayers and best wishes. We hope that, as we said yesterday, I think, Cooler. We hope that cooler waters prevail and it doesn't right. strengthen as much. But uh, Greg, on a much brighter note, we've got an outstanding conversation teed up here today. Are you ready? Yeah, I am ready. Yes, because we're going to talk to somebody who's out of all this mess, probably in, I don't know, we should ask her, Scott, 78 degree weather or something like that, that we can only dream about right now. Right? Oh. Man, you're right. Uh, big show teed up here today. We've got, uh, we're talking about a challenge that so, for so many organizations, it's a big struggle. Of course, we're talking about final mile. What's old is new again in many ways, but here's good news. And there's always good news if you're looking for it. We're going to hear proven ways you can better leverage technology in the good fight to have a lot more success when it comes to final mile. Greg, should be a good conversation, huh? Yeah, and I want folks to listen up to this because honestly, what good is all your marketing, sales efforts, all of your brand promises, right? All of those things if you can't deliver. And oh, well said. Right? To deliver, you have to get through that last mile to the to my house, to your house, to everyone else's house. Honestly, this final mile is the greatest service to the consumer out there. Yes. That's how you get them. Man, you're always ready, Greg. They're already eloquent and spot on. So, folks, mostly selfish and waiting for delivery right now. It's <laughs> okay. Top of mind. <laughs> well, that's that's the cool thing because we can all relate to this as practitioners, yeah. and we can all relate to this as consumers. So, folks, stay tuned for a great conversation, and we want to hear from you. So, just like we've got Derek in the comments in the sky seats talking about it's finally under a 100 in Dallas. We've got Maria from Madrid, Spain. Maria, oh. great to see you via LinkedIn. Jack Freeman's with us somewhere. Jory Myers. Jory Myers. The J may be silent. I'm not sure. But from a fellow Atlanta, great to see you. And Beach, tuned in via LinkedIn. Welcome, welcome. And folks, just like they've already chimed in, we want to hear from you. So drop your perspective as we work our way through the <clears> conversation <throat> with an outstanding guest here in just a second. Greg, we're all teed up, ready to go. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. So with no further ado, I want to welcome in uh, our featured guest here today, Alexia Smith, Vice President of Marketing and Sales with Dispatch. Hey, Alex, how are you doing today? Hello. Good, Scott. How are you? Hi, Greg. Hey, welcome Great aboard. to see you. Quick, you. we got a fun warm-up question. We're going to tie into some food history, but All I want right. to touch All on right. what Greg said. Greg mentioned you were kind of out up in Minneapolis, Bye. and he mentioned the temperature. Mm -hmm. How hot is it up there right now? Today we're sitting at about 80, 82. We're we're cooling off. It was in high nineties oh. for us all last week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Greg. Well now we've we... now we've talked about the weather. Thanks for <laughs> yeah. having a great show. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great to so see let's you have, 
<laughs> we had a very lively somehow, pre-show. Somehow, though, it's not that much warmer here. I f- have a feeling it's a cooler 82, if that's possible, right? Maybe yeah, so. It's, it's not too bad. Well, next show, we'll break out the barometers and mm-hmm. see, uh, or whatever, however you measure humidity. Don't test me on meteorolo- meteorology stuff. Hey, but... Let's have a little fun because I've got some food history here and we're going to get Alex and Greg to weigh in on something that you'll find at their tailgates. So in today's date, August 29th, back in 1933, Daisy Doolin, remember that name, Daisy Doolin trademarked the Fritos name for the corn chips that they had been selling for over a year. Got a little bag here. I'm not, they're not my favorite chip, but for anyone that it didn't know, I thought I'd bring a little prop, but did you know, not only. Daisy Doolin trademarked the name, but she sold her wedding ring so that her son, Charles Elmer Doolin, could buy the corn chip recipe from a San Antonio area entrepreneur. Frito pie, you may ask. Daisy Doolin came up with that recipe. So using that as a backdrop, Alex and Greg, tailgate season is just around the corner, right? For almost no matter what sport. Alex, we'll start with you. What is one of your favorite snacks or tailgate foods that you can find at one of your parties? That is a great question. I am a proponent of any and all things dip. Okay. Put it on something, even a spoon. Doesn't need to be on a, on a chip per se. I'm not against that. You're in it for the I'm dip. I'm all about it. Yes. I'm in it for the dip. We it's it. Right now, it's the Minnesota State Fair. If you've never been, come to Minnesota for the Minnesota State Fair. Okay. Yeah. Anything with... The dips, the creams. I'm a spicy person, so give me like buffalo mm. chicken dip. Oh, man. Or okay. A spoon. Okay. Well, we've got uh, Catherine and Amanda behind the scenes. They're big fans of Frito Pie. Greg, how can uh, so the dip's been put out there and that chicken dip you're just talking about, Alex? Oh, it's divine. Greg, what about you? Yeah, first, a confession. Never had Frito Pie and never heard of it before I moved to the South. I know it's in Texas, right? It must be in Texas, but never heard of it before I moved to the South. Okay. And frankly, I've been all over the world. Moving to the South has been very, very good for expanding (laughs) my diet, expanding my waistline as well. But look, in the Midwest, it's got to be a sausage. Probably, I I would have to say a broth. You almost can't have a, a football tailgate. And you know, I'd go to a few of them without a brat so I you had a brat, brat with fritos on the brat you know oh, man. I think I'll, I'll request that as it turns out so for it <laughs> yeah i will request that we have a thursday night game next week and i will there you go can't do that oh it's gonna be good okay well folks man they are chiming in already see matthew mueller says if you need help getting kegs to the tailgate dispatch <laughs> it how about that alex <laughs> oh no yeah <laughs> I like to hear it, Matthew. <laughs> Dan says a burnt ends at Arrowhead and then mic drop. Oh, I think I've had those, yeah. Greg. That's, a, that's an excellent point. Yeah. I'm personal fan of Joe's burnt ends. Yeah. yeah. Also real good. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese dip. I think this is a man mm-hmm. that can eat it every day of her life. Rotel and Velveeta. I, I, I get it. And then this user, top the tater, a fave dip. We're oh. going to dive into that. <laughs> so, oh, my Alex, gosh. I should have said that. Okay. So, Alex, you're Missed familiar opportunity. with top the Top the tater. Oh, that's a thing. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. All right. So now Hold that on, Scott. All... You go ahead. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Uber Eats. All right. So now that everybody's starving, we got a lot to get to here today. And Alex, so glad to have you. And thanks for having some fun with us on the front end. We love our food, music, and sports here at Supply Chain Now. And one, one more quick note. Kim, 
who is tuned in from Dubai, 122 degrees Ooh. this week, although probably not quite as humid, but 122 degrees in the sandpit. Goodness gracious, Kim. Great to have you. All right. It's a dry heat. <laughs> um, Hell's a dry heat and nobody wants to go there. Either, so. <laughs> Good point, Greg. Good point. All right. Always bringing the truth. So, Alex, I want to start with level setting. Now, again, that we're all starving, we've exchanged some good tailgate recipes. Let's get into <laughs> supply chain and what's going on out in the industry. So, what are you seeing? What are you, especially what are you seeing business leaders prioritizing right now? I almost said burnt ends, but what are business leaders prioritizing? <laughs> Still right on the now? brain. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say the first thing that comes to mind is we're definitely in an inflationary environment. A lot of change happening in the industry to sort of make space for that and recognizing that spending habits are changing to, to make way for that. Particularly folks that we work with, especially at the corporate level, uh, they're looking to make their final mile spend go further. Mm. I know we certainly have made it a priority to partner with CFOs across the country to allow them to achieve those goals in a little bit more of a cost conscious way. On the flip side of the coin, you know, as being a, a marketplace business, it's only fair to sort of talk about the, the gig economy as well. Right. You know, that's certainly something that's thriving. And there's folks that are recognizing now that there's a way to make a living in, in getting things from point A to point B, no matter what that might be. Mm-hmm. We've seen the strike happening with UPS. And I think it was yesterday or the day before that the CEO announced record-breaking salary changes. So I know a lot of what we're focused on is making sure that in, in this year in particular, that we're allowing for our drivers to earn a full day's worth of work on our platform and mm-hmm. therefore helping on the other side, those companies achieve those cost-cutting goals. I love a lot we shared there, especially on the end, that driver experience is something that's near and dear to our yeah. heart. I know that it, our kinder spirits there. Greg, going back to some of the other things you shared from inflationary environment and getting as much bang for the your final mile buck spin. Greg, yeah. what stood out to you? Well, I, I think about how many people over the last three years have gotten into or mm. seriously into e-commerce. And we talked yesterday, Scott, about the excessive cost of customer acquisition when you're, say, a DTC or an e-commerce brand doing Facebook and other advertising to get people to come and buy. And when you make that kind of investment to get people there, you got to get their product to them, lest every penny of those dollars is wasted. Mm. We talked, we touched on that a little bit at the top of the show. So this is a really, really critical element of any business that does any level of e-commerce is being able to effectively, efficiently, and I think with multiple options, get product there. I live at the end of a street, at the end of the world, And when we have a delivery, it could come FedEx, UPS, a nondescript van, you know, anything. And Mm. you just never know who it is. And frankly, to be completely open about it, I don't care as long as it gets here. Right. And I think that's the way most consumers feel about it, Alex. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, as long as it gets here, they don't care. And that's why these companies have to have so many options. And the flexibility of something like a dispatch model is... Uh, it's, it's incredibly powerful for these companies. Agreed. Alex, uh, before we move on, we're going to do some level setting in just a second or sure. continue our level setting. You, anything you want to respond to what Greg just shared there, Alex? I mean, it doesn't matter as long as we get our stuff, right? Yeah. And consumer habits and expectations have completely shifted. And I know I'm hoping we'll sort of get to a little bit more of that later, but yeah, the expectation is I know where it is. I know when it's going to get there. And I just, I want it here and I want it here when I asked for it and expected it Mm -hmm. to be. That's right. Well said. We can all relate to that. All right. 
as we continue, I want to start to narrow in and, and zoom in more on Final Mile in particular. And sure. let's start with, and there's a handful of folks. We have the smartest audience in the globe, Alex. However, we may have a few folks that may be new to what goes on in the Final Mile. So let's start with, if you would, define that a bit more and any interesting data points you have in terms of all that it encompasses, Alex. Sure. So ultimately, last last or final mile is referring to the final leg of that delivery process in the supply chain. So when items, packages, parts are transported from a distribution center or a warehouse to the final or the end customer, this phase can be considered the most critical, but it's also the most expensive. So kind of talking a little bit towards interesting data parts or points rather that it's something between like 50 and 55% of businesses' total shipping costs mm. are in that final mile leg of the journey. And ultimately, it's one in four to five delivery attempts fail on that first try. So which leads to you know customer dis- dissatisfaction. So making sure that you get that right ultimately leads for more revenue generation for your own business in the fact that it costs you the most money. And you don't want to have to do it again. And it's going to ultimately affect whether or not that customer comes back again to do business with you. Wow. Okay. So, Greg, that's eye-opening. I bet especially to folks. I mean, you know, we've been talking final mile, I don't know, for quite some time. But some folks that may be new, if you don't get that, it is going to bite a big chunk out of your business. But, Greg, respond if you would. Yeah, it's stunning, frankly. I think we all knew instinctively that it was a big number, but 50 to 55% is, Mm -hmm. that's a chunk. And you can see why too, because as you get down to a more precise address, you you start to lose economies of scale, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about Mm -hmm. my little street where there are four houses. One of them is at the end and there's no turnaround. You just pull into their driveway, which is sand. Too, do we right? live in the same neighborhood? You're like describing <laughs> yeah, my yeah. Little maybe we do. You don't drive a red <laughs> neighbors fifty, do you? Yeah, but you know that's part of the problem, and that's why it's so costly, and that's why it's so important to be efficient. Is because mm-hmm. you don't have the economies of scale to cover for inefficiency, in, any other inefficiencies in your process. So you have to be right. That's right, and you want to be to quote one of the stats Alex shared. You want to be four of the five that get it right on the first right. try, and not the mm-hmm. one the five that have to, at least two two attempts to deliver. All right. So let's talk then, Alex, before we get into some, you're going to share some uh, proven best practices that we'll all sure. learn from. Before we get there, how has Final Mile technology really evolved over the last five years and, and kind of paint a picture maybe of where we're headed? Yeah, I think there's two major things that we can point to. From my standpoint, that, that's changed over the last five years. Amazon's introduction of same day, and one-day delivery options has completely changed consumer expectations, right? They mm. expect things faster. It's something like 84% of customers expect delivery within a day or same day. So that's led to retailers, warehouses, delivery services offering similar expedited options to, to keep up with those trends. The second piece is, I hate to say it, but but the pandemic, you know, it accelerated that adoption of different delivery methods, expectations, minimizing physical interactions. And that's going to have a lot long lasting impact on how final mile deliveries are conducted. We saw it in our business almost immediately, whether a good thing or bad thing, it changed the way that our business went about our customer interactions pretty quickly overnight and in a positive way for us. Um, Mm. 
you know, and I think as far as where it's headed, that's only going to continue to double down, right? You know, you talk about autonomous vehicles, drones, robots, the expectations for everyone to adopt to these technologies in order to keep up with consumer habits is changing every single day. Mm. That's right, Alex. She feels like it's changing by the hour. Greg, respond, totally. to, <laughs> respond to what she was talking about in terms of both the evolution and look ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, customers' expectations won't ever get lower, right? I think it's right. it, it's not even about whether, because, you know, we've had a, this pullback on e-com, which we expected when people could go back to stores, but that hasn't changed the fact that when you order, you still want it when you want it and you expect it when it's promised and it has to get there or else that is incredibly damaging for your brand. So I think mm -hmm. as much as cost, you have to think about how you deliver against that brand promise, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you did promise to get it there. They didn't beg for it. Mm -hmm. They asked <laughs> for it next day, right? You okay. said, yep, we'll get it there, right? I'm still always amazed literally always amazed when it actually does come the next day or when it's delivered. And I am very suspect. And I, I wonder, Alex, if uh, you know how you guys deal with this, but I'm very suspect when somebody gives me a date range now, which used to be the norm, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, four or five years mm -hmm. ago, that was the norm. And now, like, if I get a date range from whoever I'm buying from, and you probably guess who it is a lot of times, I'm very suspect, <laughs> even of the best of the retailers out there. And I just think, I, mm -hmm. I feel like you ought to be able to give me a date. I would rather have the later date than a range, frankly. But um, sure. I don't know. What are you seeing in terms of customer sentiment out there? And you're talking about also, by the way, I'm sorry, Alex, you're talking not just about consumer goods. You're talking about business, B2B goods as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny when you said that, Greg, about when they give me a date range and the space that we work in, it's even the hour range that can be anxiety riddled right. for some of our customers. When you're sitting and waiting on your air conditioning to be fixed or your plumbing to be fixed and the tech mm. says, oh, I'll be there between 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Right. That doesn't a whole lot utility company about. or cable, right? Yeah. Right. And a lot of that comes into the technology hasn't been there in those spaces to give further insight as to where the tech is on a job prior, when they're going to get the packages and parts that they need to fix job A before getting to job B and, and giving that transparency just allows for the optimization of not only that technician's workday, but the supplier, the distributor of making sure they're not, okay, where's the part? Who has it? Is my customer satisfied on the other end? Mm. That's it. You know, I want to go back to something you all both are kind of speaking to about where we've been. If you remember, as a kid of the 80s, these quick commercials would come on and then there was a blue screen with uh, telephone and credit card information, all these details. Well, Greg, to your point, what one of the things that was always said was allow three to four weeks for delivery or something like that, five to yeah. six weeks for delivery or whatever. To your point, that is just amazing to where we are now, where even Alex is talking about an hourly range or at a minimum, same day, next day, or knowing exactly when you're getting it. It really, it is a fascinating study in not just consumer sentiment, the evolution of that, but the ability to do it and deliver on that brand promise that both of y'all have spoken to. So what I want to do, speaking, you know, Alex, you've got a couple of truckloads of good stuff that you're going to be sharing with folks in terms of really especially how to better leverage technology. So let's talk about mm -hmm. 
the first tranche here. Tell us about some of the places in our business and our collective businesses that we can optimize our delivery process, especially leveraging technology. What would be the first couple of thoughts that come to your mind, Alex? Yeah, two of the things that we certainly focus on that I can speak a little bit more to around automation and then around data. So when you talk about automation in this world and in the final mile, Mm. In order to be most effective and get your customers what they need and build your business and ultimately be able to focus on what you're there to do every day, which is likely not doing delivery all day long, doing that in an automated way to make sure jobs are being assigned to the correct drivers based on proximity, availability, how well they perform, what's the best route for optimal paths. I know you talked earlier about, I live on the end of a cul-de-sac and um, (laughs) making sure that they have the ability to get more jobs done in a day by being the most effective and and going to the driver's side of the house. Therefore, they can make more income, real-time tracking for your customers. And with all of that happening in the background, what do you then do with that information? And analyzing the, the delivery data can provide insights into peak delivery times, popular routes, what the customer's preferences are both with that automation and then taking what you know is happening with positive outcomes from that automation and doubling down on that with the data and the insights that you have. Yep. Alex, it's a good start. Truckload number one has been delivered, Greg. Yep. When, when we think <laughs> of automation and data and some of what Alex shared, what comes to your mind? Well, I mean, I think it's a constant learning process. There's Somebody asked a question, mm-hmm. is there, do we ever get to the point where we can't get any better? And the answer is, we don't know because we don't decide that as the deliverers. It's the consumer who will always decide that. They will, mm. you'll have to have continuing improvement of some sort to meet their demands and continue to gain their business. And whether that consumer is a business consumer or it's a, a human, you know, an, an end consumer consumer, doesn't matter. So all of that data is so incredibly valuable because it can make the driver's experience more more efficient. Am I going down a sandy road? Could I get stuck? Not on my sandy road, but Mm. could it be flooded tomorrow at this time? It very well could, you know, things like that. I mean, winter peak traffic times, all of those sorts of things, but then also what can we learn about that from each delivery experience? And Mm -hmm. then how can we leverage that to improve the next delivery experience? Right? Because Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the real key. I mean, it's just, it's a learning experience. You have to continue to accumulate knowledge to be able to figure out how you can attack that problem more effectively the next time. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well said, Greg. One of the things you mentioned there, Alex, is customer preferences. Knowing thy customer better than thyself. I was reading something the other day, and they were talking about how the insurance industry has always, that's how they've placed their bets, is knowing as much as they can about who they insure and their customers. Well, I think now, decades later, the bar has been set where where global supply chain leaders, brands, you name it, they've got to know their customer as much as the insurance uh, leaders did years ago. Your quick Mm -hmm. comment, Alex, and then we're going to get into your second truckload of some best practices there. Yeah, I think Greg mentioned it, that customer feedback loop. And I I think, Greg, you said, will we ever get to a point where we know that we're at our peak? Mm. And without that continuous feedback loop from our customers and their expectations and what's working and what's not, there's always room for improvement or mm-hmm. room to double down on something that they really like and, and that they want to see more of. So having something implemented in your business where you know exactly what your customer's experience has felt like to them 
is the way that we then build out our roadmap for continued success. Mm. Alex, and let me just shout out to any of our insurance friends that are out there that may insure all the three of us. Hey, your feedback loop, we're the safest drivers ever. Our children are the safest drivers ever. So I want to give y'all as much information as possible. Low rates, low rates. Okay. Yeah. Great. I think that's a really interesting (laughs) distinction though, Scott, because to get insurance, you have to fill out a one to 31 page questionnaire. And we don't have that benefit in supply chain. Mm. We have to get there, get it dropped off and get to the next stop, right? But there are still, especially with the wealth of ways that we can collect data these days, there are still opportunities to collect that data and use it and to improve on it. And of course, to get feedback from the customer. I have to confess, not very good at it. I'm like a four or five stars and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they were kind or wow, I can't believe they climbed those that whole staircase or whatever. But I don't put much in there. So we have a have finally, I think, reached the ability to collect as much data or nearly as much data or as insightful a data as an insurance company can for their actuarial science. And I got to tell you, what we do is not unlike actuarial science. Yes. We are trying to predict what the conditions will be like for the next time we go around there. Alex, I can always count on Greg to take whatever I mentioned and make it sound so much smarter. Actuarial science, <laughs> man. Okay. <laughs> so, I just have a, some people have a large vocabulary, Scott, and some people <laughs> not right. have vocabulary. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I know. I know which, which people are of my ilk. Okay. So Alex, all right. So automation and data were big themes of the first tranche of yeah. best practices or, or ways or where we can really optimize delivery processes. What else, Alex? I think ultimately being able to implement Final Mile in, into your strategy of, of, for your business. We talked a little bit about the customer experience, but providing the customer with accurate estimated delivery times, being able to plan their day accordingly so you don't have the, oh, it'll be the you between 9 a.m. And, and 4 p.m. Having those real-time updates and just the communication factor can help to manage your customer's expectations. So things like having proof of delivery and really the scalability and the adaptability that it provides, mm. taking away the human risk of error when you talk about potentially you know, fat fingering, where something's going, the more that you can add in the technology, the more you can continue to, and I've said this previously, double down on, on what that means for the customer going forward and how they can get better. It often includes tools for managing your own existing driver network, whether mm. that be an, an outfleet or another courier uh, that's part of our network, but ultimately assigning drivers to your own fleet in a way that makes them more efficient every day and, and mm. saving on costs in that regard. Mm. Just Big a couple pro- more things yeah. to sprinkle in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could be here all day, especially leveraging all that you've seen and all that your the, the dispatch team is addressing and driving real gains across the board. And again, Greg, I love that Alex includes, she's mentioned drivers now already in half an hour, at least four or five times. And that is, as we all know, as we are approaching Driver Appreciation Week just around the corner, they don't get enough attention and recognition. And I love, Alex, how you see it. Seemingly, you keep that front and center. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think, of course, we want to make sure that the drivers are as efficient and their experience is as good as as it can be. Our delivery driver 
I believe it was Saturday, cut her leg on her truck getting out of the car or out, out of the vehicle. Ca- tried to carry three big boxes up the stairs. We, of course, rescued her from it and then brought her in and, and helped her dress her wound, frankly, and may have given her a little legal advice. Um, <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, what that really makes me think about, Scott, is, gosh, think about this. Think about how many companies we have talked to who audit, audit freight and parcel fees, right? right. Because the thing that I love about what Alex is talking about is the data is available for and on and to the consumer, for and on the consumer to the carrier or the shipper Mm -hmm. as well. And think about, Scott, just the nightmare stories we've talked about over the last four years about people not finding out that it costs an extra $180 to deliver that thing until after it's delivered, right? So using that data to inform the shipper ahead of time is such a huge boon. And I feel pretty strongly about the lack of transparency in, of the big, big carriers in that. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's patently unfair, frankly. Mm-hmm. So that companies like Dispatch and others are out there creating that data collection, constantly improving, giving a lot of options besides just the big guns yep. and enabling you to know more about your business before it's too doggone late. And <laughs> Right. And manage your business effectively. I I think that's really, really powerful stuff. And that's one of the reasons, you know, it's funny, Alex, the part of the reason you're here is because three, four years ago we were talking about, Hey, it's time somebody came in and did something about this Mm -hmm. because it's hard to manage a business when you can't see the costs until after the money is spent. Right. And we predicted that there would be openings for companies like yours to come in and help level the playing field for companies as they do this. And I think it's a fantastic service to the marketplace on both ends, right. both the consumer and to the shipper. Yes. Er- eradicate the blind spot. Bust up the blind spot. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so, uh, Alex, what Greg's kind of was speaking to there, and, and if we miss any, if yeah. there anything else you want to mention in terms of specific places where we can optimize, I was, Greg, what he was sharing is a lot of the, the impact of implementing Final Mile software in your delivery strategy. So if you're good with going there, I'd love to, and and you touched on some of those benefits too. What else? When you think about the value proposition that organizations can gain by implementing final mile software, what else comes to your mind? Paint that picture for us, Alex. Yeah, I think that, and and Greg, yeah, you touched on this, is that visibility ahead of time and -hmm. being able to provide clear insights into those costs with each delivery and identify areas where cost-saving measures can be implemented. When you have those faster and more reliable deliveries, you can then attract more customers, which gives you some competitive advantage uh, in the market. Our delivery technology that allows you to quickly adapt to changing market demands without having to rethink the wheel and change your internal strategy and allow another business to handle and keep up with that on their end. The ability to adjust schedules or delivery options in response to those evolving customer preferences or unexpected events. We talked about COVID earlier, Greg, right now, anything that you've got with weather, it it just allows for you to stay on top of that and have a technology that sort of handles and does that heavy lifting for Mm. you. Well, because the market doesn't allow you to call timeout, does it, Alex, and and stop while you recreate and reposition. Mm -hmm. Greg, we should invent that. I don't know how, if you have anything up your sleeve, let's invent that. (laughs) 
I think that might be invented. Who knows? It, it might even be part of what, I don't know, Alex, it might be part of what you guys do. But if, if it isn't, it will be shortly. Because I think about l what both of you just alluded to. I don't care that traffic was bad or weather was bad on your trip. I mean, mm. you're trained professionals. You should know that. Mm -hmm. When I place the order, you should be looking forward at those things to say this shipment could at least could be delayed, right? Because we, we have detected weather between us and you or something like that. I mean, there, you know, there is almost no leeway. Well, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm a tough consumer, but I think that I'm more the rule than the exception. I agree with you. And ultimately, we talked about at the beginning of this conversation that, you know, that dollar needs to go really far. And if I'm paying someone to handle the logistics, which is a really complicated area of the business, mm. they better have a plan and a strategy to figure that out and That's not right. have to turn to me and, and say, what would you like us to do? Yep. Well said, Alex. Well said. And going back to the notion of stopping time, I think, Amanda, there was a great Twilight Zone episode where the, <laughs> the lead character had like a device that could stop time. And of course, hijinks ensued. See if you can drop the, the name of that in the chat. All right. So Alex and Greg, both of y'all really, I think, in uh, a real fashion, we're talking about the benefits of, of implementing, leveraging successful final mile softwares in today's delivery environment, no matter how challenging, right? There's a, a huge case to be made with big returns. So beyond all of that, Alex, let's get to one of the bottom lines both of y'all have been speaking to. How does delivery technology, and we'll say this kind of, I'm not sure where I got it, save you money. I think that was a, a skit or a commercial at some point. How does deli that delivery technology save you money and protect something you shared, protect and grow something you shared, that competitive advantage? How's it? Save you money and keep you ahead of the competition, Alex. Yeah, with saving you money, there's certainly ways that within the technology automation, consumers, I, I certainly have all different um, expectations. Some consumers have an expectation that I just want it there as fast as possible. Right. Uh, others, it's, no, I want to spend the least amount of money. And with technology, it takes that guesswork out of it. And it, it shows you the most impactful ways to, to get your dollar uh, where it needs to go. Again, whether that be waiting until tomorrow or putting it on a, a different type of vehicle, uh, it takes that guesswork out of it and allows for you to have visibility into how that affects your bottom line. And that in and of itself, you know, gives you a little bit of a competitive advantage. Um, when you've got different options to meet your consumer's needs, right? that keeps you ahead of the game with someone that's doing the same thing and doing it on pen and paper or something that we say internally is the guy that or gal that's still doing it on a whiteboard. <laughs> I love that. What, Check we, out what our the, whiteboard series. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to get it. People do that. Alex, they do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We, we've had a customer that told us they've got the, the stack of deliveries piled up in a sheet of paper. You know, one on top needs to be done first. One on the bottom can be done at the end of the day. And the amount of times the stack has been dropped and just merely having to reshuffle is can take days of it's it's very interesting that the what the lack of adopting technology can do to your the way you spend your time and your money. Man, Alex, that gives me a headache just thinking about that. And hey, we need to eliminate as many headaches as possible just to get stuff done day in and day out. 
And I love, thank you for giving us inside baseball, some of the, the inner t-shirt isms <laughs> that y'all use over at Dispatch. <laughs> and by the way, Amanda and Catherine shared two Twilight episodes. A little peace and quiet is one. And a kind of stopwatch was the other. Both were, were, okay. uh, were talking about pausing time. Are you a Twilight Zone fan, Alex? Wait, did you say Twilight or I, Twilight I've, Zone? I've dabbled. Okay, you've I've dabbled. dabbled. Twilight Zone, Greg, the 60s classic. Yeah. Um, you've dabbled, Alex. Okay, all right. We'll tell you, lately, global supply chain has, a bit of, has been a bit of a Twilight Zone huh, in recent years. All right. Mm -hmm. So I want to get to this. Greg and I both are looking forward. You know, there's a lot of kindred spirits here. And one in particular, which we're going to touch on in a second, is the environment that we create as business leaders at our organization for our team members, right? And y'all sure. have some incredible uh, recognition we're going to talk about in just a second. But before we do, mm -hmm. Greg and Alex, yeah. just to... Just in case folks haven't connected the dots yet, dispatch what y'all do in a nutshell. Alex, what would that be? Yeah, I'd say it's bridging a gap, right? It's being a technology company that can bridge the gap between supply and demand. So supply being those drivers that we've talked yeah. about and how important a role they play. And the demand being the the warehouse or the distributor that has a customer on the other end that that they want to keep happy. So ensuring that deliveries are timely and reliable, you know, that process not only keeps businesses running smoothly, but also brings that satisfaction to the end customer who received that order promptly. And, and for us, it's <laughs> as corny as it may sound, every successful delivery is a small victory in the world of logistics. And having that connection that we facilitate, it matters. It matters to the driver and and what they can bring home and it matters to our customers who are growing their business and, and bringing in what they need to stay on top of their game. Yes, Alex and, and Greg, I'm going to get your thoughts here, but <clears throat> I love how you, and I don't think it's cheesy at all. Every successful delivery on time in full is a beautiful thing. And when you can consistently deliver that hour, yes, that's how you move mountains, right? Those mm -hmm. hourly nudges. So I love that, Alex. And I think it's really important to help organizations out there be able to make that happen. Greg, your comment there on, on what dispatch does. Well, I mean, I, I, sorry, I'm still shocked by the fact that people still do this process <laughs> on paper. Why? And if that's all dispatch does, that's enough. But mm. uh, I think that it, it goes to a lot of what we talked about that is really necessary. One is consistency of service. Two is learning throughout the process to continue to improve, right? And continue to understand what your service parameters are in this world. Mm -hmm. And gosh, I'm not sure it's much more than that. All I know that there's a whole lot. I mean, that, that's the great thing, Scott, about great technology is it does a whole bunch of things that deliver on just one or two really important promises, right? right? And when built properly, it does it simply. And I think one thing that's important to acknowledge, because I'm passionate about technology, is that the simpler it is for you to use, the more that's going on behind the scenes, the mm -hmm. more complex, the more algorithmic, the more combinatorial analytics. Oh. There's another... You're welcome, Scott. <laughs> the more combinatorial that analytics <laughs> that are being considered, whatever, all the algorithms, pick a really big and mm -hmm. impressive word, actuarial science, that's being considered to make it a simple experience because the truth mm -hmm. is a driver doesn't care what the technology does. They just want it to do it easily so that they can do their thing, mm -hmm. which is stop the truck, get out without cutting their leg, grab the box, deliver it to the hopefully very nice people 
on the porch. Absolutely. Ring the doorbell, ignite the ring, get back in the truck and drive to the next place. <laughs> and if it's a click or a sign real quick or whatever that gets that log to scan, whatever it is, the easier that is for the driver, the, the better, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's how you have a really, really good technology is that it's simple and yet yes. it solves a really, really big problem. And obviously, 55% of costs, I feel stunning. I'm going to have to have a drink after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's difficult to be simple. Uh, Greg, what you were alluding to on the front, it's very challenging to keep yes. things simple, especially when you're addressing the, the challenges and the problems and the opportunities that Alex and Dispatch is. Simplicity so, is one of the most complicated things to deliver ever. Yes. Mm. So, Alex, I'll give you the final word because I want to ask you about the culture y'all have built there. I think a lot of folks will yeah. relate to anything, any, any final, before I go there, any final thing about keeping things simple and the value prop that y'all built? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it, I think Greg said it really well. It's logistics is a really complex problem to solve. And the more that we can do to simplify it, whether that be with connecting folks to our network of independent drivers or allowing for them to better manage their internal fleet and make that saving them time, saving them money. Sometimes time to folks is the most valuable thing, you know, that, right. that in and of itself is saving them money. And the more we can keep it simple, the, you know, the better off that we are for our end customers and their end customer. Right. And, and I'll go back to what you shared on the front end of your answer, because blessed are the bridge builders for sure. In this case, it's between supply and demand, but we need a lot more bridge builders on so many different levels in uh, global industry. Okay. So, uh, you know, dispatch has grown left and right by at least by all accounts. So your team's gotten all a, a bevy of awards. So congrats on all that growth and success. But in particular, Thank one you. thing really resonated, I think, with Greg and our team, and that is you've been recognized time and time again as being a great place to work. In particular, I think one of the awards was from Forbes, America's Best Startup mm -hmm. Employers. So I can't wait. When you think about what that recognition stems from, and of course, we've met members of your team, and man, you could just tell they love what they do. So what's a couple of factors behind Very that lucky. success, Alex? Yeah, I, I mean, you touched on it there. It's really building just an amazing team. And I think one of the ways that Dispatch has done that and done that really well, especially with the shifting environment and being internal and now having a remote first workplace and being all across the country is really having folks that align with Dispatch's core values. Mm. Um, it's something that we, I've been here since the beginning. I was employee number seven. And the way that we put emphasis on our core values has not changed. If anything, it's gotten more and more important over the years. It's something we talk about on our all-company uh, weekly meeting every single Wednesday morning. Uh, we talk about what it means to people, how they're seeing it represented in fellow coworkers, whether it's in their department or others. When we hire new folks, how they are a cultural fit and whether or not the core values really resonate with them. Mm is something that may or may not get someone a seat at the table. So we've made sure that's not something that we waver on and it's not something that we flex on. And it's really just led to an outstanding team of people who all have the same goal, which is to take this thing to the moon. <laughs> Love it. To the moon and beyond, Alex. Who knows? Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. I'm getting them all messed out of order, but uh, anyway, we get your point, well, not Alex. Because it's not yeah. a planet. <laughs> yeah, Pluto's been. Hey, we, we always say there's no bad seat on a rocket ship. 
that's that's that, kind of our it's a good point <laughs> we're gonna i'm gonna steal that blatantly alex greg I know that Alex is talking our language in so many different ways. Share what you heard there, what's really important, because I think our audience, again, the smartest audience in the world, they're going to be picking up supply chain tips, but this is leadership tips, culture building tips, team building tips. Greg, what did you hear there? Well, I mean, obviously a company has to have a core purpose, but more importantly, yeah. it has to have core values and that those core values, when they drive the team that you build and you are ruthlessly protective of those core values is mm, when you build a really, really big team. And they, and one thing I will just add, cause I can't help it is they have to be real. They have to be existent, not aspirational, right? Not absolutely. We want to be the best p- people in the world. We only hire the best people in the world or whatever, but you have to understand and, and be very, very realistic about that. And when you can do that and when you can stick to them, it doesn't matter what your core purpose is. You will mm. deliver against it because you will build a team that is singularly focused and team oriented to be able to accomplish all of that. Mm. So I think that's incredibly, what do you want to say? More than noteworthy. What should I say? Uh, uh, honorable, noble, surprise, frankly, impactful. To be able to do that. Yeah. And, and we, we've got, and I'm not sure who this is. I think this is Kelsey. I think this is Kelsey, I believe, is sharing Dispatch Core Values Johnny on the spot. So thank you, <laughs> Kelsey. Y'all check that out. We go, Kels. <laughs> um, all right. And you're a big t- nickname team. I love that. that. That resonates a lot with oh, we uh, are. much in our team. We are, oh, yeah. the stories we're not getting today, Alex. The stories we're not getting today. Next time. <laughs> all right. So let's make sure, folks, we've got a couple resources I'm going to share in just a second with all of our, our listening audience out there. But how can folks connect with you, Alex? Yeah. Yes, please uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I've got our LinkedIn profile up there, either with our Dispatch It Inc. page, myself personally, it's just under Alexia Smith. I would be very happy to hear from folks and connect further. Wonderful. I bet you strike me as someone that loves to talk shop over a cup of coffee, maybe an adult beverage, but you enjoy there talking you about the craft, right? <laughs> I do. Much I like- do. It's very enjoyable to to chat with like-minded folks who do understand how complex this problem is and heck it's fun to solve too. Yes. All right, Greg, she even threw a little Midwestern vernacular there at the end. Heck, it is fun <laughs> to solve. Greg, it's the right way too. <laughs> right. Don't you know? <laughs> All right. So Greg, let's see here. I want to share. So Alex and the team has brought three resources yeah. we want to share with folks. First off is the virtual fleet advantage. If you don't have a dedicated delivery fleet, like so many folks don't have, uh, no problem, as Alex and the team says. So check out the blog article on the virtual fleet advantage, and we're dropping that in the chat. Also, this ebook, Dispatch Deliveries, uh, and you can learn real stories and outcomes from customers. That kind of goes back to what Alex said earlier, Greg. Every single successful delivery matters, and I think you'll pick up some of that in that ebook. And then finally, Greg, I am delighted to share this next event we've got with Alexia's colleague. And check out the title here, Greg, Creating Entrepreneurs Through Final Mile Deliveries. Greg, what are you excited about and intrigued to learn more from Sean Kelly with Dispatch? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, it is creating, enabling and uplifting entrepreneurs because so many people have, for various reasons, started their own thing. And we're in an economic cycle where that's going to continue. That trend is going to continue. Also, I'm 100% believer that America is built on small companies. Small companies become big companies and small companies come in and backfill where the big companies 
walked away from. So I think it's an, it's a virtuous cycle that we should be enabling and yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. I am too. So we welcome in Sean Kelly with dispatch. That is September 12th at 12 noon Eastern times. It's hard to believe as fast as we're going these days, it shouldn't be that hard to believe, but goodness gracious, it's almost September. Now, Alex, last question for you before we get Greg's favorite takeaway of all the brilliance you dropped here today. Alex, you've set the standard. Is Sean, you're going to, you've challenged Sean to really show up and deliver. <laughs> Is he, what, what can we expect from Sean? Yeah, I'm really excited to hear that you guys are talking with Sean. He's building something really cool within our product. And give you a little spoiler, it, it is. It's allowing those folks that are also in our space of in the business of getting things delivered on time and allowing them to further optimize technology to do it in a way that they can tap into our customer network. And yeah, Sean's a really bright guy and I'm super excited to hear what you guys chat about with him. Outstanding. Well, folks, we I think we've made it really easy. We've got all the resources there in the chat. You're one click away from signing up to join us for that next uh, live stream with Sean Kelly with Dispatch. And you heard it from Alex. He's uh, one of the best things since sliced bread. I think it's what Alex said in so many words. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Greg, you're not getting out of your final takeaway. I want to thank first. He's the best uh, things as a uh, dip from the Minnesota State Fair. There we there go. go. Back to our... <laughs> all right, Dicker. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> I'm going to check out the Minnesota State Fair. It seems like a place, one of the places to be for sure. All right. Before I get Greg's favorite thing you heard here today, I want to thank Alexia Smith, aka Alex, Vice President of Marketing and Sales with Dispatch. Alex, really congrats on all the meaningful success and the purpose-driven mission that y'all have been on. And uh, we wish you continued success and expansion and uh, look forward to having you back. But Alex, don't go anywhere. So we're going to talk about you as if you're not with us. So, Greg, we have really run the gamut Love here. It. Gamut? Gambit? Feel like gamut. I've said, gamut. Thank you. G-A-M-U-T. Okay. Correct. All right. So we've established my lack of vocabulary prowess. But, Greg, if you would, Alex shared a lot with us here. And to me, and other thing, Alex, you're just the same person you are behind the scenes as you are in front, right? And, and I love that, that authenticity. But a lot of what you shared here today, especially, again, one of my favorite parts is are your f constant focus on the drivers. That is really music to my ears. But, Greg, what is one of your favorite things that you heard here today? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the important thing is their vision for what they're doing, right? And it is bigger than just making sure that stuff gets delivered. It's bigger even than making sure that drivers have a satisfying experience or companies make better profit or deliver better on their promises. It's bigger than the consumers receiving the goods as promised and all of that. It's actually leveling the playing field so that everyone can have the same service in that final mile delivery that big companies have had for decades, right? And I, that is so important. And it, you know, to this next discussion we're going to have with Sean, those entrepreneurs, they're little companies like us, right? Mm. They're struggling like to make their way in the world like we are versus CNN or whomever or whoever else talks about supply <laughs> chain. Foolishly, foolishly <laughs> talking about supply um, But enabling those companies and to have the same tools, right, or to have the same outcomes that a large company can have is so powerful. I have such a soft spot in my heart for company, both the companies that need that technology and the companies that deliver that technology. Because I feel like, I really do believe that this is an enablement of American business and worldwide business, frankly. I mean, you know, this entrepreneurial spirit is 
far outside just the U.S. boundaries. But since we're here, I'll talk about here. And I think that's ki- that's critical to the success of the economy. It's critical to the satisfaction and, the, frankly, the needs of consumers on the retail and in the B2B end. That's right. To get more stuff done, built, delivered. So what they're doing is a critical service. That's right. Well said. And Alex and Greg, circling back to what Matthew shared, football season's around the corner. You need to get those kegs of tailgate, dispatch it. Part of the noble mission. Alex, I really I wonder if they can get into the parking lot at Arrowhead. <laughs> hey, maybe so I might Greg. Try that. <laughs> Figure Alex. it out. That's right. Yeah. I bet y'all will. Alex, really have enjoyed our discussions. Thanks so much for being here, Alex. Thank you both so much. I've enjoyed chatting with you both. Yeah, you thanks, bet. Alex. Appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Always a pleasure to have these conversations with you. I enjoyed your final commentary there. Hey, to all the audience members that showed up, I know we couldn't hit everybody's comment and questions. We encourage Alex and dispatch team. They'll, they'll get all of that stuff. And maybe y'all can have some conversations after today's live stream. Big thanks to Catherine and Amanda behind the scenes helping make production happen. But folks, I thought there was a, several truckloads of very actionable advice you heard here today. But now the onus is on you to take something, maybe take a couple things, and put it into action. Deeds, not words. That's the name of the game. And with that said, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.